African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us right here. It is 11 o'clock Central African time. Time for African Dialogue right here on Channel Africa, where you get the African perspective. Remember, we're on the shortwave frequency, 9625 kilohertz, on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa, our main service into Sub-Saharan Africa, and on DSTV on Channel 802. On the audio bouquet, remember, you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. And well, today we're looking at the ramifications of the U.S. sanctions on Iran. United States President Donald Trump has warned countries doing business with Iran that they will be barred from doing business with the USA if they actually interact with Iran. The early morning tweet uh, sometime last week affirmed Washington's unilateral decision to reimpose sanctions that went to effect at uh, midnight last week despite the objections of U.S. allies particularly the European Union. Uh, the first of two tranches of sanctions snapped back last week in uh, last week Tuesday after the Trump administration's decision to walk away from the multilateral agreement that placed limits on Iran's nuclear program in return for reducing trade barriers with the Islamic Republic. Let's listen to this report by Sherwin Bryce Peace. President Trump's early morning tweet confirming the Iran sanctions are back on with a further round due in November, while warning that anyone who does business with Iran will not be doing business with the United States. His Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. Right now the United States is undertaking a diplomatic and financial pressure campaign to cut off the funds that the regime uses to enrich itself and support death and destruction. We have an obligation to put maximum pressure on the regime's ability to generate and move money, and we will do so. The U.S. says Iran's only chance of escaping the sanctions would be to take up an offer to renegotiate an even tougher deal with the Trump administration. But listen to Iranian President Hassan Rouhani's response. The first step would be for U.S. President Donald Trump to show that he genuinely wants to engage in negotiations to solve a problem. What's the meaning of negotiations when you impose sanctions at the same time? It's like someone pulling a knife to stab a rival or enemy in the arm while at the same time claiming we should be talking and negotiating. The answer in such a case would be to say, remove the knife from the arm and put the knife away. That person should come to the negotiating table and be logical about negotiating. EU countries have worked hard to keep Tehran in the deal, called the JCPOA, by promising to lessen the financial blow while persuading their companies not to pull out of Iran. Frederica Mogherini is the EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs. We um, are doing our best to keep Iran in the deal, uh, to keep Iran benefiting from the economic benefits uh, that uh, the agreement brings to the people of Iran because we believe that this is the security interests of not only our region, but also of the world. If there is one piece of um, international agreements uh, on nuclear non-proliferation that is delivering, it has to be maintained. 
China and Russia have been critical of the U.S. decision, while the United Nations also weighed in, but as usual stopped short of directly criticizing the Trump administration. The Secretary General's deputy spokesperson, Farhan Haq. As you know, the Secretary General continues to view the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action as a, a diplomatic achievement and continues to encourage support for all governments for that, and we will uh, continue to do so. Washington believes that despite Iran's compliance with the deal, it does not go far enough to limit what it believes are Iran's destabilizing actions in the Middle East. So the waiting game begins. The measures that went into effect at midnight target Iran's purchases of U.S. dollars and sanctions, metals trading, coal, industrial software and the auto sector. The more tougher tranche of sanctions is expected in November and will target Iran's crucial oil exports. Washington banking on its economic might to win the day. The question remains, can the EU and its partners withstand the pressure and keep Iran on side? I'm Sherwin Bryce-Pease in New York. Well, that piece takes us to this conversation with Jamil Ahmad, who's joining us on the line. He is the Global Head of Currency Strategy and Market Research at Forex Time. And also we have Ibrahim Dean, who is a researcher at the Afro-Middle East Center. Let me start with you, Ibrahim, in terms of uh, asking the question in terms of the backdrop do we know all the factors informed or that informed the decision for sanctions against Iran? We know Iran is in a very much uh, squeezed economy right now. We know unemployment is high right now and the economy is slumping and these sanctions are not good for the country. But can you just give us a bit of a backdrop between this relationship with the U.S. and uh, Iran? Okay, so when we go to the backdrop, there's two factors that we need to look one is the you know the the U.S. Iran ties why they've been so cold, um, and that's following you know the 1979 Islamic Revolution, and uh, you know the subsequent hostage drama in Iran, which led to the deaths of uh, you know a couple of hundred Americans, and so since then what has happened is America has always had this antagonistic relations with uh, relationship with with Iran. Uh, what then? There's other two other factors that have influenced what's happening now. One is uh, Iran's, uh, you know, perceived regional ambitions, and two is the U.S.-Israeli uh, lobby. So, so during Obama, I mean, uh, um, during the Obama administration, they negotiated a, a nuclear deal specifically because of, uh, you know, Iran's um, nuclear enrichment capability. So, there's no evidence thus far that Iran has actually tried to create a weapon. It was more medical isotopes. Um, and 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 the, I mean the, the agreement was signed in 2015. Mm. Came into effect in 2016. Uh, I, you know during I mean Trump's campaign, a big part of his campaign has been appealing to one the the, the American the Public Affairs Committee, so the Israeli lobby, and two is the Saudis, the UAE, you know who are actually anti uh, uh, you know Iran's or they perceive Iran's ambitions in the region as hostile sure. towards them. And so these two factors have have culminated in what Trump has has done, where he's just basically, you know, renegotiated these uh, or basically put uh, reinstalled some of these of the sanctions, pulled America out of the nuclear deal, and basically wants to negotiate an agreement, uh, you know, that that he believes would would con- constrain Iran further. I mean, I think, you know, we all and I also said that. There's been 3,000 man hours of work, and there's you know no evidence that Iran is not keeping up with uh, its deal. Mm. Uh, but these are the big factors that are actually influencing 
how the Trump administration and why the Trump administration is reacting the way it is. Ibrahim, a listener listening at home would say, but what does Donald Trump want? What will actually work in his favor? What Donald Trump wants is two things. One is he wants uh, Iran to totally put a squeeze in totally reverse its nuclear enrichment capabilities. So the sunset clauses, for example, in the agreement that he wants to be removed. You know, after 15 years, Iran would be able to enrich certain elements. After 25 years, certain other elements would be relaxed. So he wants that to stop. But more importantly, what he wants is he wants the Iranians to capitulate, specifically regionally. So he wants Iran to stop backing the Assad regime in Syria. He wants Iran to stop backing the Palestinians. He wants Iran to stop backing uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon. Mm. And ultimately what the Trump administration wants is actually regime change in Iran because they want a, a regime that would be able to you know, basically be, uh, a, in a sense, a puppet regime that would do or act in the region as America wants it to act and as Israel would want it to act. Well, coming from a more economic perspective as Jamil Ahmad, from your perspective, uh, Jamil, we know there were complications, especially when Donald Trump was warning the European Union. We know that the response was that the European Union actually in a bit to protect Europe's companies doing business with Tehran. It actually spoke about that it will remain with deals with Iran along with China and Russia and has taken the unusual step of issuing a blocking statute that says that firms from the continent should ignore U.S. sanctions. How has this complicated the trading environment, especially within the context of uh, Europe and its relationship with Iran. We'll speak about the U.S. implications after that. Good morning and thank you very much for having me. Um, it's an excellent question and what we can say is that this this generally just adds another layer of uncertainty and also somewhat unpredictability for the market that is keeping investors very alert towards unforeseen risks, which includes this political risk element that has been rampant throughout the financial markets for at least the last 18 months. You've not just got the U.S. and Iranian sanctions. You've got this current dialogue between the U.S. and Turkey. You have the U.S. and Russia as well. And it just adds another element of unforeseen risk that's making investors very anxious towards the financial markets. Of course, over the past couple of days, we also had the Turkish lira crisis, which is once again adding another layer of volatility for investors. To sum up, what we can say is that the Iranian tensions are certainly there. Mm. It's certainly something that investors are not ignoring. However, there's a number of different complications, another diff- number of different catalysts as well that are promoting market volatility. In terms of how investors kind of play this, it's a matter of wait and see. But you did make an excellent point and also in the analysis before that this does come down to somewhat what this Trump actually wants and the U.S. administration as a whole. And also, how do those who are trading with Iran, and they have been since the 2015 nuclear deal, how do they proceed from here? Did they actually stop trading from with Iran because of the threats from Trump? Or do they, do they continue because legally they can actually continue as it stands? Staying with you, Jamil, is the question of the price of crude oil we know currently the environment is very conservative in that regard does this uh, complexity of the the sanction not further uh, exacerbate that uh, price of crude oil 
Again, another excellent question. So crude oil has certainly been volatile over the past couple of months. When Trump did announce in about two, three months ago that he would pull out of Iran, uh, the Iranian nuclear deal, sorry, it certainly did provide a higher catalyst for the price of oil to rebound towards levels we haven't seen since 2014. And since then, we have seen some more positive reactions in the oil markets, however, not necessarily because of the sanctions that were imposed last week. There was just some initial buy and demand. Overall, oil looks more positive. We're at the highest level since 2014. Generally speaking, what happens from here will depend on what actually does happen to Iran oil exports, whether they do continue pumping and producing oil, whether they can actually sell this oil on onto other trading partners. And then what this does to the oversupply-demand um, equation, and this will really decide whether oil continues to move higher on Iran tensions or whether we will look at different catalysts. Well, we're speaking to Jamil Ahmad there. That's the voice of the global head of uh, the currency strategy and market research at Fox Time. And also on the line is Ibrahim Dean, also helping us from a political perspective, uh, giving us views on what this uh, uh, sanction uh, against uh, Iran from the United States actually means uh, for uh, the global, uh, not just North, but also for the South. We'll explore that particular issue. And also I want to look at that issue for how the European Union can navigate itself around this protectionist approach by Donald Trump after the break. We'll get back to Ibrahim after this. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. (laughs) You know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9am with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Remember, we are on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And our main service is via shortwave and sub-Saharan Africa. We're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Remember, if you're outside the continent, even inside the continent, you can stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. We know we have a big Pan-African family outside the continent. So thank you for also joining us. Today we are discussing uh, the consequences of uh, the sanctions on Iran by uh, the United States. If you're just joining us, we've got uh, Jamil Ahmad, Global Head of Currency Strategy and Market Research at uh, Forex Time. And also we've got uh, Ibrahim Adin, the researcher at the Afro-Middle East Center. Ibrahim, um, we touched on the issue of the European Union with Jamil on how it's trying to navigate itself and the implications of uh, 
this particular uh, sanction by the United States. And we see the European Union being firm against the United States with this blocking statute that says that firms must continue doing work with Iran. How does this complicate things for the European Union with its relationship with uh, uh, the United States, and also, uh, is there also kind of an undertone of uh, uh, the Euro- European Union's reliance on Iran? I think there's two things when we look at the European Union. One is, um, you know, we need to look at it in this in this in this context where Trump has have has had, in, uh, you know increasingly acrimonious relations with the EU, you know, uh, tariffs on, on steel and aluminium bust a few months ago. Also, you know, he visited NATO and called for more uh, defense spending. And, you know, uh, also he seems to be, you know, moving away from more overt and direct criticism of Russia. His regime hasn't done that, uh, or his administration. And so, so the EU, in a sense, has been forced into this, in, you know, it, um, as many say, it's one of the biggest losers. So it instituted the blocking mechanism, which it previously used um, during for Cuba and Libya, the 1996 Cuba-Libya blocking mechanism, which basically, you know, allows firms to seek compensation from the EU, but also, mm. uh, you know, uh, sanctions those who comply with the sanctions. If you put it that way, what what does happen is it shows it's it's starting to show how, in a sense, weak the EU is because, you know, we already had Daimler Chrysler, for example, um, the Chrysler pulling out. Uh, Renault, Peugeot, Total, all these companies, you know, announcing mm-hmm. their intentions to pull out from Iran. So it shows mm-hmm. how weak the EU is, but uh, you know, also uh, adds to this 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 um, growing antagonism between the EU and the US on trade in general, and the UA, the UA, EU and the US on military spend, uh, you know, uh, political positions and global strategies. So. The EU seems to be, I mean, the worst off from these sanctions, uh, uh, you know, uh, when compared to the other players involved, such as your Russia, your China. Uh, those aren't as greatly affected, uh, you know, will be, won't be as greatly affected by these sanctions, mainly because, I mean, the sanctions, you know, after the sanctions were lifted in 2016, EU companies were benefiting the most or were to benefit the most from those debt relief. Let's also look at the intentions because earlier on you stated the fact that uh uh, this reimposition of the first round of economic sanctions on Iran is a decision that actually is informed by Donald Trump's withdrawal from the Joint Comprehensive Action of Plan, which is related to that uh, nuclear program deal, as you gave us a backdrop that it started during Obama's uh, presidential reign. How does this nuclear deal between the United States and Iran actually um, factor into uh, the bigger scheme of uh, the, the nuclear environment uh, globally? I think, you know, it, it, it's a very good question. I mean, it's a question that's not asked much. I mean, we, we look at two things. One is this was the most comprehensive non-proliferation agreement ever negotiated. Mm. So it actually, you know, if Iran decides... And we'll see in November with the oil, with the you know, with the reinstatement of the oil sanctions. If this doesn't benefit Iran, and Iran decides to start enriching again, it basically undermines the, the you know the non-proliferation agreement, the NPT. Also, what happens is, I mean, this agreement was signed, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the JCPOA, was signed between not just Iran and the U.S. It's Iran, the U.S., you know, and the P5. I mean, the P5 plus one, which is Germany or the EU plus three. Um, and there's a new end resolution, actually, a Security Council resolution backing this agreement. So it's actually the U.S. 
basically pulling out of a multilateral agreement and using unilateral sanctions to actually undermine this agreement. So it has, you know, very, very dire consequences, not just for nuclear non-proliferation, but also for the conduct of international relations, the conduct of international treaties. Uh, and and that that will have or can have lasting consequences, uh, you know, if, if, if the U.S., continues, especially now when we look at the oil sanctions in November, sure. if the U.S. continues on its current trajectory. Now, let's come back to you, Jamil, because that actually is uh, taking us to actually look at the side of Iran. We know there is a slump in the economy. Verenaza started stating earlier on to Ibrahim Dean and also the high unemployment that's facing the country. Uh, how do you think uh, Iran should respond and maneuver in its, in its precarious economic situation currently? It's actually very difficult. Um, it's very difficult. If you look at the markets and what's happening with the uranium real, okay, it's not the only emerging market currency that's suffered in recent weeks and months. Sure. For example, the South African rand itself has declined, what, around 4 to 5%. Sure. But the uranium real is one of those currencies that's now hitting um, new all-time lows against the U.S. dollar on both the official market and the unofficial market. And this is to be honest, one of the consequences of what President Trump's intentions are here to really pressure the Iranian economy, to pressure the Iranian market, so that Iran at some point do follow what Trump wants, which is these um, nuclear ambitions to be um, dismantled to the level of what Trump feels can be in place to ensure that there has no nuclear capabilities, which again is something that others actually think is already happening. Mm. And what Iran can do from here, to be honest, is kind of ride the wave and sit it out. It's not going to be nice. It's certainly a very pressured situation. And this is also pressuring the global market somewhat because this is also adding to this risk element on top of the Turkey currency crisis, on top of the on top of the um, trade war rhetoric that's still sure. making major headlines, dollar strength, you've got the political risk with the U.S. and Russia, political risk with the U.S. and Turkey, and of course the political risk with the U.S. and Iran, which is all weighing on investor sentiment, and together this is all contributing towards a very negative environment for emerging markets and for emerging market currencies. And also, what do actually big companies that are dependent on Iran, as was highlighted by um, um, uh, Ibrahim Jamil, uh, have to do in this regard? Because there is a reliance on Iran when it comes to a big uh, uh, petrol or crude oil companies such as the totals of this world and the shells of this world. It's actually a very good question for some of the markets around the world and the economies. Um, to name just two off the top of my head that I knew do import um, energy from Iran, it's Turkey and India. And we've seen the recent currency crisis in Turkey. It's not just because of the Iranian sanctions. There's other things at play. But we could say that the news that the Indian rupees had another all-time low against the U.S. dollar today is because of concerns over how this import reliance that India does have on Iranian energy trade, not just oil, 
could weigh on Indian economy, how it could weigh on prices for Indians who are importing from Iran or who are reliant on trade from Iran. Um, even China somewhat has some reliance or I'd say trade and relationship with Iran. Of course, China is now the world's second largest economy on the planet and it's extended new trade and relationships with pretty much anyone that it can as it wants to impose itself as a super global power. But it does say that, look, there's some other economies and markets out there which will also be impacted by this, including potentially the European Union because the European Union seems to have increased trade and relations with Iran quite significantly since the 2015 nuclear deal. And then, of course, only last week you had this very explicit um, tweets from President Trump that anybody who does continue to trade with Iran after sanctions are reimposed faces severe consequences. Of course, nobody knows what this is yet, but it does add another layer of uncertainty. Well, let me take a quick break, and when we come back, definitely it seems like the war is on. That trade war that we thought was looming from afar is actually right behind us, and it's not just behind us, it's also in front of us as we're seeing these various uh, impositions that are being made by Donald Trump and also these sanctions that are not just being imposed on countries such as Iran, as we're discussing now, but we know that Turkey and countries such as China China facing uh, the same threats uh, from the United States. What does this environment speak of in terms of where we are economically in this global world? We'll speak about those dynamics after this break as we wrap up the conversation. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English. Giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyan Zovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, It's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and and, (laughs) and do my part and do it really, really well. Well, I'm just about to wrap up my conversation with Ibrahim Dean, researcher at the Afro-Middle East Center, and Jamil Ahmad, at the uh, Global Head of uh, Currency Strategy and Market Research at FXTM. Well, let's uh, try sum this conversation up. And let me start with you, Jamil, in terms of the protectionism that we're seeing from Donald Trump, the prioritization of uh, the U.S. economy above any other world economy is actually 
actually devastating in terms of the philosophy that we're seeing uh, that Donald Trump is adopting and how it's affecting the markets with this kind of uh, uh, trade war that is underway already that we're seeing these sanctions unfold. Um, How should we actually see things unfolding moving forward? And the question that I even asked, I don't know how easy it would be for any other country to maneuver themselves around such a a very um, one-dimensional man such as Donald Trump in terms of his approach that's very much pro the USA and its own industrialization specifically? There's certainly another layer of uh, unpredictability here, sorry, which is not helping investor sentiment. Um, What we can say is this trade war rhetoric it, it adds, what I would say is that it's probably the most severe risk to the global financial markets and global economy since the global financial crisis of 2018. That's how severe this yeah. risk is because global economy is finally starting to pick up. Yes, growth isn't consistent everywhere, but overall there's more optimism than what we have seen for at least this decade, and this adds a real severe level of uncertainty because in 2018, the global economy is so interconnected. It really is very interconnected, and there's a lot of reliance on global trade. Look what happened with the Turkish lira crisis on Friday Mm, mm. and how that impacted global markets Friday and Monday. It was severe volatility. What we can say is that President Trump would say himself, and he does say himself, that he is, he is a deal-maker. So potentially what he's trying to do here is just negotiating new trade tariffs, which potentially have better terms for the United States, which would help his campaign supporter base. But it adds uncertainty, and this could really weigh on global economic growth. How much depends on to what extent these current trade war rhetoric extends into reality and how many more tariffs come in, can come into play. Just to give you the example, on Friday afternoon, mm. once the Turkish lira was already in free fall, Trump announced on Twitter that he would impose even further tariffs on steel and aluminium from Turkey, which again would weigh on the economy even mm. further. So this is an always developing story. Once the field really does play out, we can then decipher what impact this will have on economic growth on the financial markets. But for now, it just adds even more uncertainty. And uh, staying with you, Jamil, before I wrap it up with Ibrahim, um, are there other pathways that investors can actually explore to circumvent themselves from these implications or there's just no way out from the Donald Trump factor? The Donald Trump factor is certainly an unpredictable one, (laughs) and nobody really knows what's next. What we can say is the market sentiment continues to remain very risk-off, which means there's an inconsistent buyer nature or investor nature towards the stock markets, which is hurting the emerging market stocks and the emerging market currencies that have very much suffered over the past couple of months. The only two instruments when it comes to the currencies that are performing well, if not better during this period has been the Japanese yen as a matter of safe haven purchasing from investors and the US dollar which continues to move to new and new 2018 highs. It's hit another two early this week because of different factors at play such as if there is a trade war, the United States economy 
should be better prepared to handle one mm. than those economies that it is targeting. And you have this consistent nature of U.S. economic growth that's still outperforming its developed peers. And actually, the U.S. economy is performing on all cylinders at the moment. That's happened to the U.S. dollar. Ibrahim, hearing Jamil respond, you just see the over-reliance that the world has on the United States markets. Do you see any um, alternative pathways here, whether politically or economically, that countries such as Iran or Turkey or China can actually start creating for them to survive this uh, bullying? That I, can, I think it's fair to call it bullying from the U.S.? Yeah, no, I mean, that is bullying. I mean, uh, but, there's, you know, in the short term, it, it, it is very destructive because the U.S., uh, you know, the U.S. dollar is still the most uh, used currency. It's still seen as a safe haven. You know, the U.S. economy has, is growing. I mean, in the mid- medium term, this, these moves are actually counterproductive. So we see, for example, the EU sign a free trade agreement with Japan just recently, being negotiating, uh, you know, a free trade agreement with China the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership, uh, you know, ASEAN. All these, these, these other regional organizations are actually slowly, I mean, it's a, it's a process. It doesn't just happen diverting power or diffusing power away from the U.S. and towards China. I mean, it's very interesting that China is now seen as, as one of the global champions of free trade. Um, but also in terms of political, uh, you know, partnerships, we're seeing, for example, in the Middle East, an increasing uh, emerging um, uh, uh, partnership between Iran uh, and Turkey and Qatar, you know, uh, and Axis, um, uh, the Russia-China uh, relationship growing stronger. So, so these these uh, political and economic developments in the more medium to longer term, you know, are actually ways or methods of actually moving away reliance from the U.S. and more towards other countries. Um, but, you know, the U.S. has been the global hegemon for mm. so long. It's going to take very, very long. Also, the U.S. dollar mm. is like the standard trade currency, which, sure. you know, the U.S. financial market, the big thing with the Iranian sanctions is the U.N. that don't sanction Iran. It's because the U.S., you know, everyone uses the U.S. financial system. Um, and so they are becoming these things. Turkey has, you know, talked about trading in rubles and, 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 and yuan. And so, so these these measures, I think, are, are you know can be used to mitigate it, but it's a it's a more medium to long term process. In the short term, a trade war is very harmful and will affect especially emerging markets. Well, gents, thank you for giving us your time and simply unpacking uh, the issues that we're dealing with today and clarifying them in very simple English. Sometimes it gets very, very complex, but we really appreciate your expertise. Thank you to Ibrahim Dean, researcher at the Afro-Middle East Centre. Jamil Ahmad, thank you as well. Uh, Joining us from London, right, uh, Jamil? Well, actually, today I'm in Cyprus, but you can generally say globally. I was in London only last week. Today, okay, you always everywhere, so oh. I never know where you are, Jamil. Uh, so hopefully, he's... <laughs> we'll be in person soon, of course. So fantastic! We're great to have you in studio one day again in our studios. Well, that's the global head of currency strategy and market research at FXTM. Thank you, gents, for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Well, we'll put that on podcast and make sure that you have access to it. And remember, you can go to our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue, where you can get that particular link to the podcast. Well, let's have some music just so we can just break away from the sadness of the Donald Trump doom news feed. Well, this is Stuart Suruma. This one is titled "Life Goes On." Mm-hmm.